From the Bob Barley Studio in Orlando, Florida, you're listening to The Diz Unplugged. Welcome to the Diz Unplugged Roundtable Discussion for May 19th, 2010 from Orlando, Florida. I'm your host, Pete Werner, joined at the table this week by my good friends, John Magi, Kevin Close, Corey Martin, Kathy Whirling, and Diz Unplugged Special Correspondent, Senior Correspondent, excuse me, Dave Parfit. Uh, back in the peanut gallery is Teresa, by herself, lonely and Yay. bitter. Bitter. <laughs> it, my echoes? <laughs> In this week's show, the team will discuss the best ways to get the most from the new free dining promotion Disney released a few weeks ago, and Dave Parfit will tell us about his sneak peek at the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. All that plus this week's news and roundtable rapid fire on this edition of the Diz Unplugged. Well, welcome to the show, everyone. Hope you all had a great week last week. How's everybody here doing? Good. Good. Great. Yeah. Hot. Hot. Yeah. Yeah, it's hot been hot and muggy and gross here it's yeah we the were, love bugs arrived yeah love bugs humidity everything i hate about florida <laughs> and it's going to be like this for the next what nine nine months, months yeah <laughs> <laughs> a couple things in housekeeping first of all want to remind everyone about uh, podcast cruise 2.0 december 12th four nights on the disney wonder we released last week our list of uh, celebrities who will be joining us from Lee Cockrell to uh, Charlie Ridgway, who was Walt's publicist, Bob Gurr, a uh, longtime Imagineer, and of course, Jody Benson, the voice uh, of. Oh. <laughs> well, let me put it to you this way if she sings like that, I'll my money back. Okay, it's a freak show all of a sudden. <laughs> Jody, was that you? <laughs> yeah, Dave, you confused everyone. <laughs> Um, that clam a, shells no, distracted think, us. No, he was he was uh, he was passing a gallstone. <laughs> was it? Um, the sad part is he's wearing that tail. It's really creepy. So it's drying uh, out too in the heat. We still have uh, we still have staterooms available at a pretty decent price, but they could go away at any time. So if you're inclined to join us, please do. It's going to be amazing. Uh, I can't wait. I'm so excited with the, the lineup of guests and. The number of people we have attending will be joining, joined with 700 other Dizzers. And keep in mind that uh, this cruise is not more expensive than any other four-night cruise you would do. It's just there's all this extra stuff. It's actually uh, fairly reasonable when you compare other cruises to it because of the time of year we picked and the and The fact season. that we nailed a lot of staterooms right. in advance. Early. So, uh, you know, if you're just thinking about a four-night cruise, you could do a lot worse than uh, than joining us on Podcast Cruise 2.0. I want to add to that and remind people that we have pre- and post-night stays at the Swan Hotel for $99. $99 a night. They really came through for us again this they year. Did. Plus tax. Those are limited. So if you're thinking about doing it, please don't hesitate. We don't want you to come back to us in a couple months and say, oh, I forgot to do it, and now they're sold out. And while we're in the process of pushing uh, vacations... Uh, one more thing. Can oh. I hit about the podcast cruise? Sure. And we also have arranged transfers. These are Diz transfers. We're going to have uh, special buses going from the Swan to the port and then back, and those are at uh, $50 round trip. So all that can be... You can sign up for all that stuff at once and get your vacation squared away. Cool. 
Uh, last week we mentioned that we're trying to put together another Adventures by Disney Backstage Magic Tour for July 25th, I believe it was. Um, and uh, we've got some people signed up. Uh, we're not full. We still have a little ways to go. But uh, definitely people are signed up. I think we might be able to make this happen. Uh, we are working. Any, any, any news on Club 33? I do. I have news. Would you like to share it with us? <laughs> He's waiting for the news. <laughs> we have secured Club 33. Yes. For Adventures by I Disney. really did not know that prior to right you now. Did not. So I was saving it as a surprise. Awesome. Awesome. So awesome. For so EBD we, 2.0, you will definitely go to Club 33 for breakfast. This is, uh, oh, man. Come on, people. I got to go back to Club 33. <laughs> I, and I, I got I to be honest. You know, uh, you know Dreams Unlimited uh, has always done a, a, a really good business with Disneyland. And we're one of the top producers, as a matter of fact, of Disneyland vacations in the U.S. And I, no matter how hard I tried, could never get in to Club 33. John and Kevin, on the other hand, were able to get in almost every time they went out there. But me, on the other, I couldn't, I couldn't get in. Okay, before this, I had only been to Club 33 once. Mm-hmm. I had only been to Disneyland once, but that's beside the point. Yeah. Every time Kevin goes, he goes to Club 33. Yeah. Sometimes twice. But you have no idea how much work I did. For putting Disneyland on the site, promoting Disneyland for dreams, um, I love Disneyland. I love it, love it, love it, and getting a chance to see it through the perspective of uh, Adventures by Disney, getting backdoored into everything, having that breakfast at Club Thirty Three was just amazing. So we are able now to guarantee Club Thirty Three breakfast as part of that as part of that tour. So um, again, uh, it's twenty two eighty nine. Per adult, uh, $2,060 per child. A uh, single supplement is $3,200 $3, and change, yeah. yeah. Um, Some of the questions that I've been getting asked, this does not include your airfare from wherever you're coming no, from. No, it does not. There are meals that are on your own. Not many. You don't have a lot of free time, but you do have some free time. Transportation, while you're in Disney, is included. While, while you're, you're on in, the vacation. Excuse me. While you're on Adventures by Disney is included, except for the times when you're on your own. If you decide to visit something that's not part of the itinerary, transportation is up to you. As long as you are under an Adventures by Disney reservation, transportation to and from the airports, uh, Orange County and LAX are included. If you make any reservations for pre or post nights on your own, transportation is not included if you're on your own. Right. Now, uh, I also know some people are concerned about you know waiting for this trip to fill before they book their airfare uh, because if it doesn't fill, you don't want to lose it. And I understand that. What you can do is if you book your airfare through Adventures by Disney and this trip doesn't go, you don't you you don't lose that. Am I correct in that, Kevin? You're correct. However, and I just have to in this in to be honest, Adventures by Disney Airfare is restrictive. They are they sell published airfare. They're not really good about checking on discounts, and most people find that they can get better airfare, better connections, and a better schedule on their own. That's true. Um, and and under normal circumstances, I would not advise. Uh, going through Adventures by Disney for that very reason. However, if that's the only thing that's keeping you from doing this and Adventures by Disney can give you a fair price, a competitive price on that, 
then it would be worth uh, it would be worth doing. Uh, again, this is a last minute thing. We we only found out about this last week, and uh, we're trying to fill this because. Uh, and I'll be honest, I, we're trying to fill it because I want to go again. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm not going to lie. It was a great trip, um, and uh, I I want to go again. So. Um, I'm hoping that we we can fill this. I'm really, really hoping we can fill this. So if you're interested in joining us on this amazing trip, um, I'm hoping this week, I had some issues with the video last week. Um, I'm hoping to have the video up this week of our Adventures by Disney trip, our photo gallery. There are some trip reports that are out there from from our adventure, which are really good. Lots of pictures, lots of details about what we did. Um, And if you go and talk to some of the people who did it, uh, did the Adventures by Disney trip we just did in April. They're going to tell you this is worth every penny. And uh, so I hope you can join us. And uh, finally, for me in housekeeping, I just want to remind everybody that uh, we could use some emails and voicemails. It's starting to get a little sparse. So uh, if you have email questions for us, uh, things you'd like us to check into, questions you have for the team, the address is podcast at wdwinfo.com. Or you can fill out the feedback form on our show notes page, podcast.wdwinfo.com. You can also send us a voicemail toll-free in the United States, Canada, and Mexico, 1-877-310-9662. Or you can record your own on your computer or your iPhone. We have instructions for that also on the show notes page and email those into us. So uh, we have an email show this week and then two weeks from now another one, so... If you would like to get an email or voicemail into us, this would be a good time because the pickings are getting slim. So, anybody else? Anything for housekeeping? Anyone? Nope. Anyone? I did mine. Bueller? Anyone? Okay. Then we're going to move on to the news with John Magi. Our first story is Disney profits rise 55% on films. The Walt Disney Company announced that fiscal second quarter profit climbed 55% on a rebound at the film studio but shares fell after the television unit's profit missed some analyst estimates. Disney said in a statement that net income for the company rose to $953 million from $613 million a year earlier. Hotel reservations at the theme parks are pacing down 10% in the current quarter, Chief Financial Officer Jay Rizzullo said on a conference call after the results. Profit in the cable television division led by ESPN totaled $1.18 billion, short of the $1.21 billion estimate. Profit in Disney's broadcast division, including ABC, fell 24% to $123 million. Worldwide ticket sales of $960.4 million for the 3D, 3D classic Alice in Wonderland revived the, the Disney company's wow. film profit. $960 million. That's incredible. And this is these numbers are a little bit old. This story is probably about seven days old as I read it. So those numbers are more than that. And the, the video is coming out, I believe, next week or two weeks from now. Right. This led the studio to a reported profit of $223 million compared to $13 million a year earlier when Disney's films included... Wait, race, what was that? Reported profit of $223 million compared to $13 million a year earlier. Is that a wow. typo? Nope. Those are actual numbers. Well, here's the, the disclaimer to that. When Disney's films last year included Race to Witch Mountain... Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> ...and Confessions of a Shopaholic. Okay. So well, you put out some good movies. Year? Or are they not counting Pixar? 
I'd, I think Up is older than that. Yeah, I don't think Up was in last oh. year's. Uh, and this is, and this, is compa- this is comparing the quarter, right, as opposed to Correct. the year. Correct. So, I think Up was later than. And which goes, I don't to sh- know. right? Which goes to show what one really good film can do for you. Well, it goes to show what you know when you put Johnny Depp in a film as opposed to Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Uh, well, I mean, I think you've also got the next the next part of the story is Iron Man Two has collected three hundred twenty three point four million dollars in global ticket sales as of May. Yeah, 9th. but this one's getting trashed by the critics. They're not happy with it. I don't think it matters. Yeah, that's true. I think this is one of those movies that's just big and fun and blockbuster, and people are going to go. And it's Robert Downey Jr. who's amazing. And then you've got Toy Story coming out June 18th. So they are Toy Story 3. Toy Story 3 coming out. So they are including the Pixar movies. So it just that's what happens when you have good films coming out. You actually make money. Yeah. Yeah, that's usually how it works. It's interesting mentioning Iron Man 2 being in the parks the past couple of days, seeing Iron Man merchandise items for sale in Walt Disney World and also then over in Universal as well. You're seeing the same things. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's part of the deal. It's part of the Marvel deal. That's a good way for Disney to get money in both places, huh? There you go. Our second story is Tomorrowland briefly evacuated. Several hundred people were evacuated from the Tomorrowland area of Disneyland for more than an hour on Wednesday, May 12th because of an unattended bag. Disney employees received word of an unattended bag outside the Tomorrowland Theater around 4 p.m. and immediately called Anaheim Police to evacuate Disneyland and investigate the suspicious bag, said Susie Brown, a spokeswoman for the Disneyland Resort. Um, The Tomorrowland Theater is where Captain EO is currently being shown. Sergeant Tim Schmidt of the Anaheim Police said the circumstances were suspicious enough to merit calling in the Orange County Sheriff's Bomb Squad. After a few tests, the bomb squad determined that the bag was a soft-sided ice chest with wheels containing perishable food items. <laughs> At 5.30 p.m., guests are allowed to return to Tomorrowland. But that should make people feel better that, you know, Disney is on top of it. That's similar to what happened the second time in Times Square when they evacuated because they yeah. had something suspicious and it was someone's lunch. Does anybody care about the hungry family walking around? I don't know where they're from. <laughs> because they're stupid enough to leave their cooler sitting outside the theater. They have blown up by the bomb squad. So I want to see the family that's standing in the back looking. It's like, oh, can we get our cooler yet? Yeah. <laughs> and our final story is Disney announces plan for plans for the first new resort in seven years. Last week, the Disney company officially announced the construction of a new resort at Walt Disney World. The new Disney's Art of Animation Resort will add 1,120 suites and 864 standard motel-style rooms to the Walt Disney World Resort in Florida. The resort will be located near Disney's Pop Century Resort and is scheduled to open in 2012. Well, the resort is actually what was supposed to be the second phase of Pop Century, which mm-hmm. you know, anybody who's been to Pop Century and seen those empty buildings that look like, you know, like Sarajevo, <laughs> um, that... Uh, that's what they're. That's what they're using. Correct. I'm sorry. My story as well, but that's okay. It seems to me that this is a redundant theme. I'm. Ha- I, I think that the the family suites are a great idea, but the art of animation is the same as all star movies, as far as I can tell. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a redundant theme to me. It just. They could have gone with outer space or something like that. This just seems like they're. It's a retread. I really wanted to see what they were going to do with the legendary rooms with you know the earlier part of the 1900s like the 1940s and it's a shame that they abandoned 
that for this. Well, it's interesting. Thing. It's interesting that they've decided to create a whole new resort instead of mm-hmm. just finishing just finishing the expansion of Pop Century and making them the suites. I think Pop Century though, there's enough people traveling that remember those catchphrases and those icons from those eras. I'm not sure there's a lot of people visiting uh, from the 1920s, World, right? From the 1920s, right? But I mean, it just you know, just you do. From a personal standpoint, it would have been interesting to see what they did. You're a hep cat. Yeah. Let me just uh, skip ahead because we just discussed the part about how it used to be part of Pop Century. But the plans for the new resort show ten wings of rooms and a separate building housing the check-in lobby and restaurants. The hotel wings will be separated into four distinct groups, each with a theme from a different animated movie. The Little Mermaid, The Lion King, Finding Nemo, and Cars. Each section will have separate courtyards anchored by icons from the movies, such as a 35-foot-tall King Triton presiding over the mermaid section. And the entire resort will use bright-colored palettes. That's a surprise. Disney said the project will generate approximately 800 construction jobs. And it's, well, you know, it's not a Disney value resort unless it can be seen from space in size (laughs) and color. Uh, Look, um, as I wrote in the blog that I wrote about this, I'm just happy that Disney isn't outsourcing this to Marriott, you know? Uh, I was really concerned when they sold off the land that the uh, uh, Waldorf Astoria and the Hilton over in Bonnet Creek now occupy, that it was the beginning of the end. And this is I what they were... I thought they never owned that. <laughs> that No, remember that that was a whole big thing we had. We were discussing that they were... They sold. They sold off property. They sold off that property for private. Uh, they didn't own the whole piece of it. They didn't own the whole right. piece. But they sold off some of it, and they also gave um, easement because it goes right through Disney property. It goes right yeah. past the Caribbean. So I, I'm just happy to see that Disney is building, doing something with a, a new hotel. Uh, for whatever criticisms I may have of them in various areas, nobody does a hotel like Disney does. And I, I, I want to see that continue. I'd like to see them do something other than build a value resort. I mean, the value resorts are good, and they add a lot of good rooms. And I agree with Kevin. I think the family suites are a good idea. But as I pointed out in my blog, keep in mind that right now, the family suites at All-Star Music uh, command a premium of about 125 to 150% what a standard room goes for. Do you think it's because of the limited availability, though? That it it's going to go lower? It could be. It could be. It all depends. It, believe me, if Disney thinks they can fill 1,100 family suites for $180 a night, they will. Uh, so it, it, it remains to be seen because this is, you know, their sales pitch is going to be right now the only other option you have on Disney property. Basically, if you have five people, I mean, Teresa was going through this with trying to plan her trip. Uh, the only other option you have really is uh, renting out one of the Disney Vacation Club rooms, one of the one bedrooms. And those are going, you know, on a good day, those are going to go for $400 a night. Or a cabin at Wilderness Lodge, anything that's a, a cabin at Fort, at Fort Wilderness, Wilderness. But sorry, still, those are, going to be, those are going to be in the $300 a night range. So, you know, Disney's, you know, the way Disney's going to position it is, well, look, for $180 a night, it's still cheaper than... Than this or that, or two rooms, or two rooms. Now, what I did read too is that uh, these rooms will sleep up to six people, so that's going to be a plus. And this is a direct reaction to a part of the market that Disney doesn't have. Disney doesn't have those suites. Look at something like Nickelodeon. The Nickelodeon Hotel has the the market cornered on these themed mm-hmm. family suites, and that Disney's going directly after them. And I 
at uh, Dave was at powwow this week, but uh, I think that's why probably why Nickelodeon approached you because they see the handwriting on the wall. This is right in their backyard. And Disney opens these. Nickelodeon's not going to be able to get away with the kind of absurd prices they've been charging. Yeah, and they said that their places are full for the next eight weekends in a row. They're at 100% occupancy. It's a oh. very popular resort. Yeah, People it is. It. But they're not going to be able to command that right. uh, when, Disney, when Disney opens this. because there's a family with more than two kids. They're they're kind of shut out. Right. I mean, if you have two, three small kids under you know a certain age, and now you how do you, add, what do you do with two rooms? Now you add Magical Express to that, and you add uh, all the other perks that go along with staying extra on magic Disney hours and all that other stuff. Free dining. Also, right? a lot of young families travel together, so if it's two couples with a couple of kids each, you can it'd be cheaper in one suite. I think it speaks volumes about what uh, Disney projects as being the uh, the state of the economy that it's. The worst of it is behind us. Uh, you know, well, I guess also Bob Iger coming out and saying no more discounts, which I think he said that last year, too. Yeah. He just um, rehashed the same speech. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, I, I think it's, it's great news. I'm really happy about it. I'm excited to see them open a new resort. I'm excited to see them add another 2,000 value rooms uh, with the majority of them being family suites. So far, you know, all, you know, theme, you know, theme issues aside, um, I'm very happy. I think this is good news for Orlando. It's good news for Disney. It's good news for uh, vacationers. We'll see, you know, and I think the odds are they'll pull it off well and they'll do something special. So mm-hmm. um, I'm excited. When's the new resort supposed to open again? 2012. 2012, which is great. I also great. think Disney's aiming, uh, looking towards the expansion of uh, Fantasyland. Yeah, but as I mentioned, this will be done right around the time of Fantasyland. Right. Land's going to draw a lot of people with younger kids. People who thought that, you know, there's not enough to do with real young kids. My little kids can't ride certain rides. I think the new expansion of Fantasyland is going to draw in people with even younger kids, a lot more of them. And I have to say, being a powwow, they had a party. The kickoff party was at the Magic Kingdom, and expansion of Fantasyland was their big selling point. They had five Imagineers in the Magic Kingdom all giving presentations on the new Fantasyland expansion. They had signage up everywhere. So this is really what they're pushing. The most over-the-top thing I saw at that party in Tomorrowland was they had bartenders that were on stilts. So they had stilt-walking bartenders pouring drinks into funnels, and the funnels went down into blocks of ice. You would stick your cup into the block of ice to get your drink, but then they made it look like there were cast members dancing in the block of ice behind oh, your drink. <laughs> oh, that's bizarre. It was very bizarre. So you feel drunk. And quite even fitting with drunk. the theme of the Magic Kingdom. <laughs> there, you there you go. That's too much. So is that it for the news? That's it. That'll do it for the news. All right. Well, thank you, John. We're going to move on to Rapid Fire. Who would like to go first? Oh, Teresa's got her hand up. I do. Start with me. Uh, July 24th, 2010, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. is Passholder Appreciation Day sale, downtown Disney. You can get, uh, let's see. Things. Things. Marketplace to save up to 50% off select merchandise, special doorbusters, surprise markdowns, and more. First 1,000 guests on the 24th will receive a complimentary gift. I'm going to go check this out this year. I didn't do it last year. In the past, people have been disappointed at what mm-hmm. was offered. What kind of things have been offered in the past? 
stuff with last year's date on it. Used underwear. Oh, okay. From that dollar store. Everything's a dollar. <laughs> Waltz used on used on. I think it's kind of interesting. Also, I found out um, in my little monitor that I got that um, adults get two dollars off the evening uh, movies at the AMC AM movie theater AMC movie theater at Pleasure Island with their pass. I didn't know that. Is that something new? Do y'all remember? I guess the movie theater at Pleasure Island's new. That's what it says. <laughs> Kidding. It is not. <laughs> Is it okay. only off your pass, or can you get it off of other people um, in your party? Let's see. Your pass is famous. $2 off adult evening admission. Pass holder only. Not valid for any other. Yeah, just you. But still, two bucks, two bucks. Two bucks is two bucks. That's right. All right. Thank you, Teresa. Corey. For you Facebookers out there, if you haven't joined already, come join the Diz Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the Diz. Uh, you will also see um, Facebook like buttons pop up around the site. If you go to, say, for example, the Diz Unplugged homepage, you'll see a little like button. What this does, it just helps share the word. So on your Facebook wall, it'll say Dave Parfit likes the Diz Unplugged podcast. Uh, there also um, have these like buttons on individual blogs, on the Diz Board's homepage. It just helps spread the word, so every bit helps. So come join DizUnplugged.com. Or slash that is. Who cares what Dave Perfect likes? <laughs> <laughs> Corey does. All right, <laughs> Kevin. There's a new tour, Inspiration Through Walt's Eyes. During the tour, your guide's going to show you how Walt's vision translated into the magic you see in the parks. Among the stops on this tour will be Sunset Boulevard at Disney's Hollywood Studios, where you explore Walt's filmmaking influences. The event and decorating department where you will witness minor details being transformed in the development of large events. And the Utilidors at the Magic Kingdom where the day-to-day operations of a theme park take place underneath your feet. The tour is $99 per person. It's a three-hour tour. The minimum age is 16 and up. And you do this at Epcot Guest Rel- Epcot's Guest Relations window outside the main entrance. Uh, you can have a discount. You can get a discount pretty much if you have elbows. Uh, AAA diamond discount, annual pass holders, Disney Visa. Those are all uh, ways to get a discount. Disney Visa gives you twenty. Everything else gives you fifteen. So cool. Thank you for that, Kevin. Sounds like a rehash of other tours. They're sort of piecing it together. Right. It's going to get crowded down there in the Utilidors with all those tours going through. <laughs> People trying to work. Mm-hmm. It sounds a little bit like they've tried to do. Um, it sounds a little bit like a mini adventures by Disney trip on the backstage magic tour. They do the same thing where they start you with Walt's early days in Hollywood and then take you through the rest of his work. So, but one takes six days and this takes three hours. So I don't think you'll be getting to see the same things. All right. Interesting. Who's next? Oh, Dave wants to go. I was just at a press conference this morning for universal studios, Hollywood and they are breaking new ground on King Kong 363D. So they are adding King Kong back to the studio tour. Oh, After he burned to the ground? That's right. So this is in direct response to the fire of 2008, where King Kong was burned, and I think 10 acres of the backlot tour was burned. So when they rebuilt that, they wanted to put King Kong back in. They've actually contacted Peter Jackson. So Peter Jackson, three-time Oscar-winning director, um, created the King Kong 3D attraction that will be on the Backlot Tour now. Awesome. It actually sounds really good. They had Mark Woodbury, the president of Universal Creative. So he is president 
essentially of Universal's Imagineering for both Florida and Hollywood. And they had Larry Kurzweil, President and Chief Operating Officer of Universal Studios Hollywood, talking about this. It's going to be the largest, most immersive 3D experience that's ever been created right now. The tram will drive into an area that has projection screens all around you. The tram is on a moving bed, so it will move. You're going to be attacked by dinosaurs. You're taken into Skull Island. You're attacked by dinosaurs, Velociraptors, Tyrannosaurus Rex. King Kong will come, fight off the dinosaurs. They're all fighting all around you, grabbing the tram car, shaking the tram car all around. Oh, I can't wait. It, sound, it yeah, sounds like it's going like to be really that. good. Well, that backlot tour, anyway, is just phenomenal. The backlot tour, it's 45 minutes long, the tour, and this is going to be probably a five-minute segment of that mm. backlot tour. That's going to be opening in early July, Universal Studios this Hollywood. Year? This year. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. wow. So this has all been going on on the West Coast while there have been Universal Studios here in Florida. Has been Ooh, doing that'd be a nice Potter. side trip if I add a couple days to uh, Hollywood on the Adventures by Disney trip. Peter Jackson is going to have a role in this attraction. He's going to play King Kong. He is going. He, he put is, the weight back on. <laughs> no, Grew he still looks back. like a hobbit. He is going to uh, introduce uh, via video screen what you're going to experience on the t- on the tour. Talk about taking you to Skull Island, and while they wouldn't confirm it, they said that there will be uh, for the press opening experience. Peter Jackson will probably be a part of that as well. Oh wow. Awesome. That sounds cool. Sounds really cool. Great. Thank you, Dave. John, what do you have? I have uh, AAA's reporting gas prices will be lower this summer. Exactly. Mm-hmm. He just made the face that I made when I read this story. But, uh, but why? Because all of our gas is now in the Gulf of because Mexico? Because apparently you can pull up to just the Gulf and put, <laughs> put a hose in the <laughs> yeah. water. Just siphon it. <laughs> this is their quote. The economic uncertainty in Europe, coupled with a strong U.S. dollar and ample supply of crude oil, equal a formula that lowers both the price of crude oil and retail gasoline. Yay! So, looking for something to look forward to if you're going to be That's, driving. Uh, we here. haven't heard we haven't heard something like that in a long time. Yeah. So, speaking of the oil spill, we just heard this morning that it's um, starting to reach Key West. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lovely. Well, I I just don't think there are enough ways to beat the living crap. Out of that moron that's running British Petroleum, it's a small oil spill in comparison to the size of the ocean. Oceans are big, you know. He really just well. Supposedly, Charlie Chris got twenty-five million from the BP people to promote tourism. Not that that helps. You won't need suntan lotion. (laughs) Come walk on our beaches. Walk on our water. Slide on our beaches. Mm -hmm. Really, really, it's sad. Walk on our beaches. Walk on our water. Oh, Lord. All right, Kathy. I apologize. I'm going to take this a step further. There was an interview online the other day with a woman who runs a uh, rental condominium on the Gulf Coast. And she said the summer has completely been ruined. Mm. She's had massive cancellations of people who are just fearful of coming. That's so sad. Who wants to to swim in an oil slick? To me, it, it shows a step further than just the devastation of the ocean. This is just the first step in how it's going to devastate the economy. Yep. Yep. It's, it's really an interesting time right now, especially in the travel industry, with the economy tanking last year. And now all these natural slash man-made disasters with the volcano, the flooding in Nashville, the... Yeah, it's called the apocalypse. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, just a lot, a lot going on right now. It is. It is. 
So, all right. Kathy, what do you have? Okay. I have two killer whales at SeaWorld Orlando are pregnant with one due in a matter of weeks. It says they expect Taima, a 20-year orca, will give birth to her fourth calf later this month or in early June. And it says Katina, a 32-year-old orca, is expected to have her sixth calf in late October. And why I bring this up is the father in both of them is Tilikum. Oh, great. Great. And, yeah, let's, let's, let's perpetrate that line. Yeah, and it says it's... Um, it's Perpetuate, excuse me. Said, said that this is a reminder of the value of Tilikum because he has sired 13 calves since SeaWorld acquired him in 1992 at a time when marine parks had to abandon efforts to capture orcas from the wild. So he is one of three breeding males in SeaWorld's corporate collection. You know, I thought that was sort of... Okay, that's a creepy way to say it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tilikum's the only male at SeaWorld Orlando. Mm-hmm. Wow. So they said that the um, orcas have a roughly 17-month gestational period, so both pregnancies were before the trainer tragedy. And they've been, of course, monitoring both pregnancies with month- monthly ultrasounds and will continue to c- closely monitor the birth process through several important steps. Those include delivery, nursing, and the early bonding between calf and mother that occurs during the first 30 days of the baby's life, a period in which the animals will be watched 24 hours a day. It will be several weeks after the babies are born before they appear in public. And they said once they see that everything's going well, that's when they're going to put them out on exhibit for everybody to see. Cool. All right. Thank you for that, Kathy. Thanks, everybody. That'll do it for Rapid Fire. We're going to move on to our first segment, and we're going to have a little discussion about free dining. And uh, now that it has come to pass after... Months of intense speculation on the boards. A couple of weeks ago, Disney did, in fact, release free dining, as we, we predicted they would uh, for the period of August 15th to October 2nd, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Wow, I'm getting good. You're hmm. good. My memory. Maybe maybe a few of those brain cells are starting to re, uh, reanimate. <laughs> reanimate. I was impressed you had the ABD prices off the top of your head. That's really good. I can't remember any of that stuff. Well, like I said, I think it's... My, my 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 brain cells are starting to come back just a little, just a little. So, um, one of the things I want to talk about is, uh, you know, it's great that free dining is now included uh, for that period, but a lot of people really don't know how to properly take advantage of it. Uh, so that's kind of the discussion I wanted to have is, you know, what what is involved with free dining and what's the best way to get the most out of it. And I really don't know the answers to that question, so I'm kind of turning to my my trusted team of experts here. Um, I want to start with uh, defining some terms for people. I want to make sure we're all sort of on the same page because there's a lot of confusion about the dining plan and the options and the packages. So I want to make sure we're talking about the same thing because I think getting the most out of it depends on what you purchase, how you purchase it, and then, then how you use it. Okay. So these are the ways that I use that I want. I think we should go about talking about it. First of all, when we talk about dining, we're talking about a component add-on to a Walt Disney World package. You have to have a package to add dining. You can't add dining to a Walt Disney World Resort vacation. You can add it to a DVC reservation or an annual pass holder. Correct. correct? Yes. Yes. Right. But those are those are different discussions. Right. Because you would use it different differently for those. As scenarios. So we're talking about adding dining to a Walt Disney World package reservation. A package is a resort stay plus tickets. 
you have to have at least one day of tickets or something to be a package, and then you add dining accordingly. And Disney has different levels of dining. Right, because God forbid we make this right, simple. simple. They have a quick service uh, dining package. You get two quick service meals per person per night. You get two snacks per person per night, and you get the resort refillable mug. And quick service meal, meaning food courts, uh, counter service, uh, not, it excludes any place where you have to sit down and have your order taken, right. basically. And there we have a list of all the participating restaurants on the Diz, and you can go and you can find them and find what category they fall into. You can also use our search tool. If you know that you go into a theme park, you can select theme park in our dining database, select a Disney dining plan option, yes, and it will spit out all of the restaurants that are included in the dining plan and tell you what type of credit it is, whether it's table service, quick service, and then when you click on that restaurant, it'll show you the menu. You can read other discussions from the boards and read reviews. So it's a good planning tool with this whole dining plan. Excellent. Then there's the regular Disney dining plan. You get one table service dining option per person per night, one quick service dining option per person per night, and one snack option. And then there are other levels. There's the deluxe dining plan and ones that get a little, little more complicated. I think we should limit our discussion to quick service and the regular dining, because that's what's offered in free dining this year. Okay. There's two different uh, uh, promotions that are going on for this August to December time frame. August to October. August to October, sorry, time frame. You book a value resort, and you get the quick service dining free. And you book a deluxe, oh, you book a moderate deluxe or deluxe villas resort, and you get the regular dining free. Now, one of the things to keep in mind, too, is just because you get the quick service free or the regular dining free doesn't mean you can't upgrade. If you're willing to pay the price between the two plans, you can then upgrade. So you get the quick service portion free, and then you pay for the difference in price to go to a regular dining option. And, Kathy, I asked you to bring those numbers. Yes, the quick service is $31.99 for an adult and $9.99 for a child. For the basic dining plan, uh, let's see. Um, and the basic dining meaning a table service. Table service. Throughout the year, they have different prices depending on when you go. They have a value season and they have a peak season, and free dining is in the value season. So the basic dining plan would be forty one ninety nine for an adult and eleven ninety nine for a child. So you could stay at say Pop Century with quick service and then upgrade to the basic dining plan for ten dollars an adult. And two dollars for a it's child, good. Right. which yeah. is what so, I did for my trip. Right. Oh, you did that. Yes, right. I did do that. So this is what I wanted to point out was that I think as we talk about the discussion of the best way to use dining, I personally don't see how people can use the quick service alone. I know, but we're going to get people are going to call in and write letters and or post on the boards and say you're wrong. I can do it, but I think the best use of free dining is if you're going to stay in a value, buy get the quick service for free and then upgrade to the dining mm-hmm. package. Do you guys agree with me, or is that? No, I agree with you. I do. Because you think for ten bucks more a night, yeah. two bucks more a night for kids, you get a sit down. Now you're getting a sit yeah. down. Now you do give up the refillable, refillable mug. Refillable. 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 <laughs> I don't get the refillable mug. You don't. <laughs> Bummer. So is that now a deal breaker, uh, Teresa? Not really. No. Okay. And I would also say to people because I know I get this a lot is people want to know like how do they figure that. Wait a second. You don't get the refillable mug on the, the, the basic plan, but you do on the quick service. Correct. Correct. Okay. But just to keep in mind that, 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 like, we say that what you get per day, 
but there's nothing that stops you that says that you could use them all in one day. Right. That was something I wanted to point out, too, was that even though it's per person per night, it doesn't mean you're regimented to, I have to use one of this, one right. of that, one of this every single day of my trip. And, and it's good until midnight of the day that you check out. So if you want to save one of your credits or whatever for breakfast before you leave or pick up some snacks before you leave your resort to go back home, you could do that too. My snack credits would all be gone the second day. Yeah. <laughs> Can I have more snack credits, please? That's a good point too. You can't combine the individual credits to make something else. So for example, you can't take two quick services and make it a meal. You can't take multiple snacks and make it a quick service. But you can take two table services and use it for one signature. That is correct. By the signature restaurants. Mm -hmm. So, like I said, we have the list of the restaurants, what what they require. Some require two dining credits. Those are the the, signature uh, restaurants. restaurants. So that's something to consider is now. Also, private dining also sometimes is considered two credits. Right. So when you put together your plan for using this free dining promotion, Think about what the cost of the meal is at the place you're going to travel, the place you're going to eat. That should be a big factor in determining whether you want to use a dining service credit or you want to pay out of pocket for it. Because some places, we talked about this with Teresa. Teresa wants to go to um, Beaches and Cream. Beaches and Cream. And we said to her, no, pay out of pocket for Beaches and Cream and save that table service either for another meal or to combine with something else for a second. I was shocked you guys thought that uh, Beaches and Cream was uh, counter service. I know. We're wrong. (laughs) We're bad people. You were shocked by that? Yeah. (laughs) Don't be shocked. They totally changed my mind on it. I thought it was, it's sit down, right? It's table service. Yeah, Yeah, table service. So, but in my opinion. (laughs) The ice cream, if you just want ice cream, that's counter service. But if you want to eat, that's table service. See, all we... uh, this is a beating a dead horse, but all we wanted in that restaurant was the atmosphere. Right. So, so, so right. So that, that that's no credits. Right. <laughs> no, I know. The atmosphere is free. <laughs> so that you know adds to that point of why would you go and right. use a, t- a table service credit when you can go eat, let's say, at Yachtsman, Yachtsman, or someplace else, or Narcusis or Citrus. Right. So just pay out of pocket. Right. Get my little ice cream or whatever. Well, you on. couldn't. I mean, that that table service credit doesn't work it's citricos and narcusis you have to use two credits Correct. for that but what i'm saying is she save those that okay. she might use and then go to a signature restaurant gotcha or use it for a different meal for breakfast somewhere else right. or something like that so that's where i how i approach this i think in my opinion is if you're going to be in a value upgrade to basic dining and then look at the price of the meal versus your the value of that credit and where you're going to get the most out of it and pick and choose where you're going to eat based on, um, you know, where the best value is out of the dining, the dining, free dining. But the other thing I want to point out, too, is a lot of people do this thing where they plan their vacations around their meals. Okay, I want to eat breakfast in Cinderella's Royal Table, and I want to have lunch at Big River, and I want to have dinner at Narcusi's. To me, that seems backwards. I think you should plan your meals around your vacation. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion. People are going to say, no, I have places where I have to eat. Well, I think it's for, uh, you know, for people that have been here, you know, multiple times that, uh, you know, they they kind of know the theme parks and they've had those experiences. Um, 
so maybe for 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 veterans, so to speak, uh, the restaurants take on more importance than it would maybe for a first time visitor who's like, no, I've got to see Space Mountain, I've got to see this, I've got to see that. When you've been on Space Mountain twenty times, but I think veterans are less likely to do that crazy dining thing that first time first timers tend to do. Really, I think oh, I no. On that. I, I think no. Yeah, I think it's just the I opposite. Think, I think from experience of dreams, we see it is that they understand more that their time is more valuable than to just run from park to park or place to place to eat. Those are the people that shock me. I'm going to have breakfast in Animal Kingdom. I'm going to have lunch in Epcot, and I'm going to have dinner in Disney mm-hmm. Hollywood Studios. That to me is... But that seems to me like a first-timer's mistake. Well, I would right. also say to just keep in mind when you have free dining, you really do need to do some planning. It's not like you just show up and walk into a restaurant. Right. Well, so that's that the brings, next part of the discussion. Well, that, yeah, yeah, that brings me to my next question. Uh, you know, throughout the year, I mean, we hear all the time varying, you know, varying degrees, but we hear all the time about the difficulty of getting... Uh, priority seating at table service restaurants, especially during periods where free dining is being offered. So, what I mean now, Teresa, you were able to get. Teresa has a vacation planned as part of her challenge uh, during this period. Were you able to get all of your reservations? I believe I remember hearing you were. Uh, yes, but I only have two that I picked. Only two table service. Only two table service. But didn't didn't you just say you upgraded to a table service plan with this? Yes, I did. So you're, you're only using the rest of them. what are we going to do with the rest of them? I'm pondering. I guess I need to ponder quicker, don't I? I guess you do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, a lot of people yeah. have already See, and here and this is exactly why I wanted to do this segment because this is what happens. Well, people people yeah. don't really understand that you know, Disney's not going to give anything away. Uh, they know how people what 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 uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They, they they know generally how people are using these plants, and they know basically what mistakes they're making. That most people are not getting the value of what they're paying. That this is the one thing about this the, these these dining plans, whether it's free dining or whether you're paying for it, that you hear it all the time. If you are if you go in with a strong plan, if you know what to do and how to do it, you will get this is a good value. If you go in not really paying attention, thinking you're going to show up at a table service restaurant when you get there, <coughs> excuse me, and use your free dining, that those are the people who end up losing money on the on the dining deal. Because really? you wind up settling for something mm-hmm. that is not a good value or See, not I'm, a good restaurant. I guess the way I'm thinking of it is I'm not building my trip around the dining. I know, I know I've got to eat to survive and i know i've got to use these credits so i'm i don't know but i think and i'm not and i'm not locked into it has to be a certain time so i guess but you still want to use them you don't want to go home with any extra credits well this is the whole thing is that you know uh you want to get the most for the money that's being spent and and that's the point that's the point of doing this segment that was the point of, of giving you that 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 challenge was how do you get the most out of that uh, out of that money and the dining plan is one of the few areas where you can if you are smart if you go in with a strong plan where you can actually save money on your dining versus if you had done it yourself but the reason disney is so good or is so regular about giving away free dining 
is because they know. They know that actually most people aren't going to use it right. And they, you know, so it, it doesn't cost them as much as you think it costs them right. to offer this. Um, you went going back to when you talk about the availability of certain advanced dining reservations, people booked dining for this period of time in anticipation of free mm-hmm. dining coming out. People also booked multiple locations for free dining. Right. Yeah, and this, yeah, that's... They're scum. So this... <laughs> well, that's a bit strong, but... I'm sorry, if you're booking more than one restaurant on a night so that you have your choice, you're taking that away from somebody else. Somebody else. else. Yeah, but I, I know, but that's, to call that's them scum, selfish that's, and scum, in my opinion. Okay, selfish, I, I can go with. So, an extra challenge of this is you have to now deal with limited availability. And one way to deal with the limited availability is to look at shoulder times. So if you're willing to be flexible in in what time you're going to eat. Shoulder times meaning? Earlier for dinner, later for lunch. Okay. See, I'm fine with that because I'm, you know, I'm okay with it. It doesn't have to be noon and five or noon and six. The exact time you eat. And that will give you more options for dining times. So that's one way around the limited advanced dining. But I think one, you know, one definite tip, I know it may sound obvious, is book the package now and book your 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 advanced dining reservations now too. The closer mm-hmm. this gets to September. Oh, absolutely. Uh or the closer this gets to August 15th, uh the the worse the availability is going to be. You've got a lot more people going into restaurants, especially when you can upgrade to table service for $10 a person. You've got a lot more people going into those restaurants than would have been going otherwise. You're not going to find mm-hmm. crowded parks. You're going to find packed restaurants. Right. And that's very typical of what we find. When we go to the park just to hang out, you can't get into a restaurant, but crowds at uh, attractions are light. Exactly. So this is what happens. And um, one of the other things, too, that's happened is with the offers of free dining is Disney has dumbed down their menu, and they've taken away the bigger ticket items. And made portions smaller. Right. So you have less steaks available. And use lower quality products. So when you're looking at the menu, you may say, okay, I want to get a steak. Well, be aware of what size the steak is. See, and this is what bothers me is that for those of us who do not, you know, we live here or, you know, maybe we choose not to use the dining plan, uh, our choices become limited because rather than having a menu specifically for people on the dining plan and another one for everybody else, they just made one dumbed-down menu for every restaurant, lowered the portions, lowered the uh, the quality, as Kevin pointed out. And raised the prices. And raised the prices so that, you know, it's, you know, those of us who don't use free dining or don't have any reason to use free dining, more importantly, uh, are basically penalized. We're penalized because of that. That is one thing that has always bothered me. I always felt there should be two menus. One for people who are on the dining plan, one for people who aren't. I agree. And I'm not saying they should serve different food, but, but you know what? On the dining make, the steak, make the steak available to those of us that want to pay for it. But then people on the dining plan aren't going to see this as any kind of value. That's, that's the problem. That's the problem. Well, maybe there's a difference between the free dining plan and the paid-for dining plan, because that's certainly a different conversation as far as True. getting the most out of your money. Do you think the menus are changing seasonally? Do you think they're changing the menus just for free dining? Because I no. haven't noticed that. There are a couple of seasonal restaurants out there right. that do change seasonally, the but not in general. Restaurants have seasonal menus, but if you look at the way uh, Le Cellier used to serve a steak 
and their appetizers and things like that. And now with the advent of free dining, look at the way they're serving steak and their appetizers now. You'll see a huge difference. Did you see the thread on the rumors board that they plan on uh, changing La Salle to a signature restaurant? Mm -hmm. Certainly not worth it. Certainly not worth two credits for sure. They're supposed to be changing their menu. This is all supposed to start happening, I think they said, what, after the end of September? They said around October sometime. Yeah. It has been so long since I've eaten in La Cellier, I don't even remember the last time I had it. La Cellier is a cute little restaurant. It's much smaller inside than most people would think it is. I'm guessing. I have no idea how much it is, but I can't imagine it's more than 50 seats. Well, they're actually supposed to be, according to this rumor, making it smaller. <laughs> there you go. So it's not a big place, and I think it's one of those... So let's make it more expensive and more difficult to get into. Mm-hmm. That's, that's they're, smart. They're driving demand. They're creating demand for it. Well, so, there are people whose vacations are ruined if you can't get a restaurant mm-hmm. or a reservation at La I've Cellier. never been in La Cellier. I'm sorry. Go to Outback. You can get a better steak for less mm-hmm. money. So let's talk a little bit about the, the list of restaurants that you can go to. What do we think is really worth using your dining credits on? On the signature planning? Right. Or, or the signature restaurants? Well, both. The signature and single credit. Too intense. Just in general, what's the ones that are worth those dining credits, and what's the ones that are not worth it? I mean, when we talk about quick serve locations, except for the rare exceptions, they're almost all the same. Mm-hmm. You mean you're talking about the same basic type of food? Yeah. There are some that I have actually some really came up with a, some that I thought were standouts. Of the quick service? Mm-hmm. Great. Uh, the first one would be the pepper market. I actually think the Pepper Market is a standout quick service location, mainly because of the amount of selection that you have. There's something there for everybody. Are you going to find the good and the bad? Yes. But you have a chance to walk around and look at what's being served prior to ordering it. And if four of us went, four of us could go, we could be far flung across the globe as to what we're ordering. Somebody might order Chinese. Somebody might order Mexican. Somebody might order an American hamburger. So... In my opinion, the Pepper Market is a good place. And the Pepper Market's located in the Coronado Springs Resort. And could we also mention that the thing about tipping or that there's a 10% charge for being seated at Coronado Springs? That's always been my... However, if you talk to them about it up front, they will remove it. Yeah, but then you have to go eat... Well, if you, you either say you don't like it or... You have to go eat it outside. No, no, no. We've, hey, we've, we've gone up, to them. and before they've said anything, we've said, listen, we don't want to tip. The, I'm we don't want- to, I'll tip on my own. You right. don't have to place a tip, and no. they'll take it off for you. You've been more successful than I have, then. We're bigger than I'm you. seven feet tall. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another one that I think is uh, a good location for counter service or quick service is the Riverside Mill at Port Orleans. Mm-hmm. I think I like that one. Yeah, I do too. Um, we've had some good stuff there, and they have at least they used to at the barbecue restaurant. They have a killer cornbread with black peppercorn in it. Then you can go see Yeehaw Bob too. Right. Uh, another uh, in the quick service, I think Roaring Forks at Wilderness Lodge. Yeah, agreed. Is no. a good no. quick service. No, no, that one disappoints me. I'm surprised you're such a Wilderness Lodge fan. I am. God, but that's, Debbie, Debbie Downer over there. I know. Usually I'm... I like know. the condiment bar at Wilderness Lodge. is Roaring Forks. Uh, I also think... <laughs> that's a wide selection of condiments. I think Artist's Palette at Saratoga Springs has a nice uh, that was quick service. Um, in Epcot, 
Sunshine Seasons, I think, mm. is a good oh, choice. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. Absolutely. I think the, That's in the land. The land. I think the Yorkshire County Fish Shop, which oh. is the quick service yes. fish and chips. And I think if you want to have it good, stand there and demand that they cook it for you now. That you don't, or, you, or so you could busy. ask them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you need to start pounding the table. Cook it for me now. <laughs> I, I never said that you should pound the table or use a different voice. You I just demand <laughs> that they cook it for you now. Um, usually, what will happen is they'll cook it in advance, and it'll be sitting there under a heat lamp, and it gets soggy and greasy. And it's much better if it comes out hot and fresh. And you know, I've heard so many comments from people. Again, I, I don't eat fish, so. Uh, but I've heard so many comments from people saying that the fish and chips served at the counter service is better than what they're serving they're in the restaurant. A hundred percent better. So, I've heard from our UK listeners too that it's pretty authentic. Really, I also think the patisserie boulangerie in back of France. Oh, that's, that's really fantastic! Good. I haven't good. been over there in a long time. Uh, Tangerine Cafe in the Morocco yes, Pavilion. Yes, yes. I, I also think Tangerine Cafe offers some healthy options. That's one of those places where you don't have to get a cheeseburger or chicken fingers. They have... Um, some really good hummus. Hummus, and they've got a couple of different salads that are really good. Uh, moving on to Downtown Disney. Kevin, before you go from Epcot, could I add one to your World Showcase or get your opinion on it? The refreshment port, right when you go into the World Showcase, now that it's changed from McDonald's, they don't offer the McDonald's fries, they pulled out, they're now offering things that are similar to the Food and Wine Festival. They put empanadas in there, um, and a lot of the... Maybe right outside of Mexico. Right out... No, 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 no the, on the other as side. you're heading towards Canada. Right outside those little oh, tiny yeah, yeah, bathrooms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, right, yeah. right, right. All right. It's the refreshment port. And, I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't, haven't been there since they've changed it. I haven't been there. Take a look when you go by now. It's a lot of the uh, what's been popular on the Food and Wine Festival. That's awesome. Now, does it say quick service? Is it a quick service option? I would have to check, but I can't Hang imagine Hang on just a second. Not. I don't see it on our list. That doesn't mean it's not there. I always thought that was like a snack location. It used to be French fries. It used to be McDonald's French fries, and now it's, they changed when McDonald's pulled out. Yeah, it's a lot of Latin influence. Mm-hmm. Another booth I'd pass by, but All that's right. it. We'll have to look into that one. Uh, I think in, when you go to the Magic Kingdom, I think you can get decent stuff at Pinocchio's Village House. Mm-hmm. And I also think you can... <laughs> Really? No, I don't like that one. Oh, I like Pinocchio's. Also. I don't like I, that one either. I also think it's kind of dark and cool in there. And after you've been sizzled on the sidewalk for a couple of hours, it's nice to get in out of the hot sun. I would agree with that. I was disappointed with Pinocchio's Village House when they took out the Figaro for us. Oh, yeah. And you still can get them. Really? You have to ask for them. Right. Special. But they're just I didn't know that. not part of the menu. Yeah. I also think in the Magic Kingdom, uh, I like demand to them. Is what you demand them. Only if you use a funny voice, though. Right. I demand Figaro fries. <laughs> I'll see if that works. Um, you also, I also like Columbia Harbor House. Yeah, mm, agreed. Yeah, yeah. good. good um, at Downtown Disney, I don't think you can beat Earl of Sandwich. No, nope, not you at can't all. Can't beat it with a stick. I also like uh, Wolfgang Puck, Puck Express. Express. I was just going to say that. At the restaurant, the Express. Uh, I understand that people hate, with a capital H, the fast food at Hollywood Studios. And I would have to say that I kind of agree with that. Yes. I'll agree with that. I don't know why it's different. I don't know if that's they're using a different kitchen there or if what's going on. I understand that it has a very bad reputation. Everything that I found is true to the reputation. 
uh, I don't have really anything bad to say. Oh, um, if by any way you can avoid the Tomorrowland Noodle Station when it's open and serving that. Yeah, just go to Publix and get your sushi and stuff. Yeah. Right. Or that wretched excuse for Asian food is just awful. Um, I, I don't. Uh, we like the Flame Tree Barbecue when we were in yeah, Animal Kingdom yeah. also. So I don't really have a list of the 10 worst or the worst ones. Uh, there are some that I don't understand the the popularity of. I don't think Pecos Bills. Oh, great condiment bar. Yeah, I enjoy that one. I, Sean, check that one out. I'm gonna, I, I love the condiment bars. <laughs> <laughs> they have the same condiment bar in the Tomorrowland um, in no, Cosmic don't. Rays. Do they? Do they with the mushrooms and yeah, really? Yeah, no. Kevin and John know John Cruz is the condiment. So <laughs> like, can I get an empty plate? Um, <laughs> I bring my own fork. So uh, there. Oh, and kind of, Bills doesn't have the backs on the chairs where Cosmic Rays does. I also think the the Asian food and the China Pavilion is pretty bad. Also, yeah, agreed. And Absolutely I'd, agreed. I haven't been to the new. It's not open yet. I'm hoping the new Mexican food is better. I, I'm sorry. I think you should just feed your $20 bills to the ducks instead of eating at that fast food restaurant in Mexico. <laughs> it's just it, it was repulsive is what it was. Yeah, I agree. Just, I do like well, the, uh, the egg rolls at the China. Well, let's, uh, talk about, food, let's talk about the table service locations that are available and which ones you recommend. Again, I was asked to come up with the ones that I think are worth the money. I think there are quite a few. I think you can. I think Boma in the Animal Kingdom Lodge um, in agreement is just terrific. Um, I think I like the Wave. That was a personal choice. Other people don't. No, I do not we like also, the Wave at all. I, I remember too. We ate at the Wave when it was very, very new. Yeah, I haven't been there in a while. So I mean, oh, I've eaten there twice, and I won't go back. Uh, the service was atrocious. And the food just simply wasn't good, in my right, opinion. They had a good soup or something there, didn't they? That yeah, they did. Kind of like we asparagus went soup that, that we liked or something. I remember Dana and I ate at the Wave, and we liked it. And one of the things we liked is it seemed very fresh, the food. Now, I mean, I that's our concept, is that organic? Yeah, and that's know, great, and I can, I can go along with that. But being rushed through my meal, not once but twice, uh, and being served stuff that just wasn't very appealing from a taste perspective, uh, I just I didn't like it at all. I like the Cape May Cafe. I think you can. Make I haven't been your, there in a while. You can you can make your own meal there because of it being a buffet, and they offer steamed clams. And if you like steamed clams, it's one of those things where I can get my money's worth out of the steamed clams. Because they serve them by like the bucket, don't they? Well, it's a buffet. You go up and get as many as you want. You watch the people's faces who have to take away the empty clamshells. Uh, I think Tusker House in uh, Animal or Animal Kingdom is terrific. To me, it's a mini version of Boma. Love Tusker House. I have enjoyed Mama Melrose in Disney Hollywood Studios. I think if you go in there expecting authentic Italian food, you're probably going to be disappointed. I think... You can find things on their menu that are decent. I've enjoyed the Princess Storybook Restaurant at Norway, uh, an Akershus. I think at times, you know, they get a little Norwegian, <laughs> a little too Norwegian. <laughs> uh, but I think it's, I enjoy that also. It's one of those places where 
I think the food is decent, and you can because it is a buffet, you can kind of create your own dinner. I've told you before how I like Chefs de France. Um, I haven't been to Tudo Italia in a while. We thought Tudo Italia had pluses and minuses. It's been a long time since I've been there. I like the Plaza Restaurant, but if you go in expecting another Disney restaurant, you're going to be disappointed. It's a, basically a soda shop kind of a place, but I like the history of it. It's been there since it opened. And it's also much, good food. Yeah, mm-hmm. hasn't pretty much hasn't changed. Um, I like the Crystal Palace. Yeah. Agreed. I think the Crystal Palace Especially is good. for breakfast. Can, can I take a step back? Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Talking about the Plaza restaurant and thinking about using table service credits, that's a restaurant that I always thought was relatively inexpensive, too. Do you think that's worth using your credits for? Kind of like with the beaches and cream discussion? No, I would probably pay out of pocket yeah. there. I think what we, we have to approach this in different from different angles in that saying that this, these are the restaurants we think are good. I really am not putting a spin on um, whether or not they're worth your table service credits. I think that's, as John said, that's a different discussion. Those are the places that I think you can get a decent meal. There are some that I think you should just avoid. I did not care for Cuisina at all. I thought it was poorly decorated. I thought it was loud. I thought the service was slow. I thought the food was awful. And I thought it was highly overpriced. Uh, I Chef Mickey's is one of those places that... I think you can get make a good meal. However, it's one of those places where it's kind of review proof. It's people are probably not going there as a dining experience. It's location, right. it's atmosphere, it's right. interaction with the characters. But the food was good. I mean, yeah, the couple right. times I've eaten there, the food has always been really good. And again, I agree. part of it is because you can pick and choose and right. find those good things. Right. So I've only had breakfast there, and it's hard to mess up a breakfast buffet. No, um, Disney's done it. Yeah. <laughs> I did not care for the Maya Grill at all. I can't imagine going out of my way to eat there. Um, I uh, People rave about Kona Cafe. The thing I like about Kona Cafe is you can order from the sushi bar. <laughs> no, I like Kona Cafe. I've got to be honest. I've had a, several good meals there. No, I wasn't impressed. Um, Especially for breakfast. Honestly, if you're going to use a table service for breakfast, that's a good one hmm. to use. Does a sushi bar count as counter service? I don't believe so. I believe with the price point, it would probably be table service. Kona is one of my reservations. Uh, we've all discussed Ohana, and I understand that it's changed. I would have to see that to believe that. Uh, I didn't care for boat rights. I thought oh, the food no. was absolutely yeah. horrible. No. Um, Another one that people go for different reasons than I go out to dinner is Whispering Canyon Cafe. I was served actual, uh, instead of pulled pork, I was served the slab of fat off the top of the pulled pork. There was no, <laughs> there was no fat or pork attached to it. It was just kind of disgusting. Um, just kind of disgusting. Just kind of disgusting. And I've been to the Sci-Fi Diner again. To me, that's that's an anomaly. I don't think people are going there for the, the the actual food. It's an experience. People love Prime Time Cafe. I do, mm-hmm. and I do. I, I'm sorry, I can make frozen swans and chicken at home. You like Prime Time? I think I think um, those two restaurants you just mentioned, I think, are not good uses of your dining credit. I think, as far as what you could pay out of pocket and what you can purchase versus what you're going to get. I also, I'm sorry, go ahead. 
Just my, I mean, Teresa's over there gasping, so I want to make sure she knows. <laughs> I did. I think Le Cellier <laughs> is overrated. I think it's a nice, quaint, little, cute restaurant inside, but I think it's overrated. I think it's gone downhill seriously. I think the coral reef should probably be shuttered and just bulldozed and start over. Um, should open an Applebee's or something. I, I didn't care for restaurant Marrakesh, but I think that was my maybe cultural. I right. didn't care for the food. I don't want cinnamon on my roast beef. However, that's a place where I think if you like Moroccan food or you think you're going to like it, that's a good use of a dining credit. Exactly. It's more expensive. You get a decent portion of food. And it's a unique experience. Now, going back to uh, Hollywood Studios, if you choose, there are some restaurants that you get priority seating for Fantasmic. If you buy the Fantasmic dinner package. Right. If you're going on the Fantasmic. So how would that work with uh, the Disney dining I don't believe it does. Does it? I don't think think so. so. I think you've got to pay for that. If you want the seating at Fantasmic, you've got to buy that package. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. That's not a, that's not, that that doesn't factor in. I have one last group. And that's the signature restaurant. Well, hold on. Just at Epcot, let me give my list of where you need to avoid. Beer Garden. Oh, no. Oh, please. please. I want to see Pete doing the chicken dance. Beer Garden, uh, Rosencrown, uh, Coral Reef, Nine Dragons, San Angelin. San Angelin is one step above uh, Frozen Dinner, in my opinion, Um, which really covers most of World Showcase. Uh, honestly, in terms of meals, it's, it's it's a shame. Now, Toto Italia, I haven't been to in quite a while, so I can't speak to that. Teppanito, I think, has always been good. I don't know if it's fabulous, but... It's a shame Tokyo Dining's not included, because we yeah. enjoy sushi over there. Um, Tutu Italia, we went recently, three of us from the Diz, and we weren't impressed. But Chefs de France, definitely, definitely such a consistently good restaurant. The food, the service, the atmosphere, just great great restaurant something you didn't cover were um downtown disney and the regular dining locations there well that's because there are no good ones you've got captain jack's planet hollywood raglan road and wolfgang puck loser 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 that's why i wanted to bring it up was that you know (laughs) i think i we haven't eaten at captain jack's in years and again this is one of those places oh and by the way in the magic kingdom i think you should avoid tony's town square restaurant also i think there's certain sadness in some of the disney restaurants there are some restaurants that should just be showcases i think tony's should be a showcase restaurant it should just be a, a an example for everything else of because of its location i think captain jack's is like that too I think Captain Jack's, they should do something similar to the Chart House. Actually, I think they should burn it down and start again. It's got a you know? beautiful location. It does. My last uh, group is Signature Restaurants. And I think Disney is much more successful there than they are with some of the other restaurants. However, with a Signature Restaurant, you're paying Signature prices or using two credits. So you're paying basically for two meals for the price of one. Um, I don't think you can go wrong at Gico. I think Gico is spectacular. I think Citrico's in the uh, Grand Floridian and Narcissus are both worth your time and mm-hmm. your money. Agreed. I think the Yachtsman Steakhouse absolutely is mm-hmm. worth your time and money. I think the Hollywood Brown Derby at Disney Hollywood Studios is worth your time and money. And I could take or leave the California Grill. I think the food is good. I think there's a lot of fuss involved in going there. And I think... To me, the thing that turns me off about California Grill is the fact that 
there's so much jockeying for position to try and see the fireworks from that location. To me, I would rather just go eat at the California Grill. The view is spectacular no matter what time right. you're there. If you're there when the fireworks are going off, the fireworks are pretty spectacular from any location. And you can get up and walk out onto the catwalk and watch the fireworks if you really want to. Right. I mean, there's the a other thing there. is if you don't if you eat at California Grill and you come back, you can come back later with your receipt and go out onto the catwalk and see them from that location. So I think that's another good one. I think the others are better in my opinion. Uh, if I had to pick my favorite restaurant at Disney, I would be hard pressed to pick between three, and that would be Gico, Citrico's, and Narcissus. Those are, I think, probably the three best restaurants. I would throw Yachtsman in there. Would you? Yeah. yeah, I would too. I'm not as big a beef eater. I don't eat a lot of steak, but well, I, I just I, I have to say, you know, I'm a steak snob, and uh, I know a good steak when it's served to me, and I know a good value for a good steak when it's served to me. And I got to tell you, the porterhouse that I had a couple months ago at the Yachtsman, hands down, was got to be has to be in the top three steaks i've ever eaten in my life which is why i was so angry which is why i was so angry on the cruise line during the mediterranean cruise when they were kept putting yachtsman steak on the menu and then serving this crap they were serving and it's it's really it's 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 unfortunate because i think there are a lot of people that are going to think that haven't been a yachtsman they're going to eat that and say wow why should I go there and spend that money on a steak like that? One of the things I would say to people who are booking Disney is I understand that a lot of people book restaurants based on atmosphere, on the experience that you're going to have. I think if you're going to do that, you should still be able to assume that you're going to get decent food. Disney is great at atmosphere, but you already have a park or you already have a park ticket. You can get atmosphere almost anywhere in Disney. I would not settle for decent or good atmosphere and poor food. I think that's I agree. I think and I think some of Disney's restaurants that promote the atmosphere, I, I the one that keeps popping up in my head is Whispering Canyon. I think Whispering Canyon you should be up for that price. You should not only get atmosphere, you should get decent edible food. Agreed. And I think sometimes that's where they lose track. All right. Well, great. Well, thanks, everybody, for a lively discussion on dining. All right. Well, that'll do it for our discussion of dining, free dining and how to get the most out of it. Thanks, everybody, for your contributions on that. We're going to move on and talk to Dave Parfit, our senior correspondent who had an opportunity to take a sneak peek actually inside. He wasn't looking over a, uh, a wall. Uh, he actually got to go into Harry Potter. So first person I know who's been inside. And uh, what did you think of it, Dave? Actually, I was able to go inside twice. And it was, Excuse us. It was, it was great. It was great. Touch uh, you. Uh, let me take a step back. So being here for... For powwow, for international powwow, they were offering media tours. And one of the media tours was of Universal. And you could list your top three choices of tours to go on. I listed Universal, Universal, Universal. And they wouldn't say whether we were going to go into Harry Potter or not until the end of the tour. So they took us around Universal, went to Simpsons, Men in Black, etc. And at the end of the tour, the last hour, we went over to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. 
where they opened up the gates and waiting for us was Alan Gilmore, who was the creative director for the attraction, Wizarding World of Harry Potter. He's also the art director for the films, for all the films. Wow. So he has worked directly with J.K. Rowling. He's come over uh, from the U.K. But has he seen Harry Potter naked? <laughs> Anybody with $70 got to see Harry Potter naked. Anybody on YouTube can see Harry Potter naked. So, so Alan Gilmore was giving us a tour. So he gave us a personal tour of the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. This guy was amazing. He would go through and talk about how faithful they are recreating this world. It looks exactly like you see in the films. Really? The level of detail that is in here is just phenomenal. It's just amazing. They've made this place look like it is centuries old. There's snow on the ceilings of every of every building. I know, doesn't it? I mean, it looks like it's been there, too, forever. It glistens. It shines. The train billowing smoke. You walk in. You really do feel like you're transported into this world. It's just amazing. We went into the buildings. You walk into Hogsmeade is the first thing you go into. Uh, there are shops that are on the left. Uh, Zonko's Joke Shop and Honeydukes, which reminds me. I brought something for everybody. Oh, he's got stuff. What do you got? 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 It's an iPad. It's a bag. It's a Harry Potter bag. If it's empty, if it's if it's empty butterbeer, that would be hilarious. I brought you saltwater taffy from Honeydukes. Oh, cool. What is it like? Booger flavored or? No, those are the jelly beans. That's awesome. Kathy's just going to stare at the box. I'm going to take it. <laughs> there were chocolate frogs, too, but I thought they would melt. So, so oh, you yeah. haven't dug in yet? I have not dug in. No, sure. That's, that's for everybody. So, yeah, it may be booger and vomit flavored. I'm not sure. So the stores were open for you to buy stuff? Not on the media tour. Uh, the second time we went in, which was last night for the private party that was at Universal Studios for Pow Wow, all the stores were open. We were able to buy things. We were also able to ride the attractions as well. <laughs> I have no upper body strength, apparently. Your, your brain cells are growing back. But apparently. I'm, tur- I'm, turning into, I'm turning into my mother. Uh. So Sunday, Sunday was the media tour. We were led all around by Alan Gilmore. He took us into the shops, pointed out all the details, pointed out all the props. He would actually point out specific props that were used in the films that were then brought over and and put on the walls of the buildings. Again, the level of detail is is phenomenal. What a great tour guide, huh? Oh, you're not kidding. (laughs) You're not kidding. It was an incredible tour guide. And he could just go on and on and on. I was the last one out of the Wizarding World, and it was because of Alan Gilmore. Um, Like, it's not my fault. He kept talking. If he's going to talk, I'm going to listen. Yeah. The one thing I noticed, though, is that the buildings are all small. You go into these buildings, and the aisleways are chock-full crammed of things, of details, of props. I noticed we walked into one shop. Alan Gilmore is standing there, and he's taking up the whole aisle. He's not a big guy. And so I don't know how they're going to deal with the crowds. Or people in wheelchairs. I just have to say something. Dave is brilliant. He's figured out a way to get the mic all to himself. I knew that was thinking that. Shut it all up. <laughs> Everybody's chewing salt water taffy. <laughs> it gets to talk. Sorry, keep going. I apologize. No, the level of detail is great, but 
the buildings and like you see in the in the films they are meant to look like really old century old buildings and they're small the aisleways are small there's going to be a bottleneck in there you know what are they thinking i don't know they're thinking they had a parking lot and they're also they're also to give them credit, they are being faithful to detail. I mean, what I was just about to say that in the movie, it's very uh, a lot of the walkways are narrow. Yeah, that's right. I mean, and you think about old Europe. They're right, but to- this is a theme park, yeah. theme park where people are going to be at least for the next six to nine months going to be killing each other to try and get into this. And maybe that's you know bringing in a movie guy, bringing in a movie guy to be creative director. Maybe that was something that was that was missed. Dave, what did the people work working there? What they dressed like? They were all in costumes. Uh, they were all in old English costumes. There were also a lot of students there, students from Hogwarts oh, really? in their robes. Yes, we had students from the Slytherin house that were welcoming us into Hogwarts Castle. Oh, cool. There also is an area where you can perform. Uh, not you personally, not I was going to say, would you get up and sing? <laughs> That's right. I was singing uh, the Little Mermaid song. <laughs> but they had students in their robes performing songs from the films. They were holding uh, frogs on pillows, and the frogs were animatronics, and they were giving these deep bass baritone notes from the, from the uh, frogs. We were able to try Butterbeer. They took us into um, the Three Broomsticks, where we were all given samples of Butterbeer. How was it? It was good. It was good. It was a drink. Uh, it was fizzy, soft drink. I equated it kind of like taking a Werther's candy, if you're familiar with a Werther's candy, and melting that down, putting mm. some carbonation into it, Ooh. and uh, putting a thick head on it. Oh, that sounds good. It's a little butterscotchy kind of. A- butterscotchy, caramely. It was, it was good. Diabetic-y. Yeah. <laughs> it was very syrupy, very sweet. Mm. Makes me wonder, you know, on a hot 90-degree day like it was on Sunday, how thirst-quenching is that going to be? Not at all. We also had the frozen butterbeer, actually, the next day. I didn't think that had as unique a flavor as the the regular cold butterbeer. That was a more unique drink to me than the frozen. Pumpkin juice we also were able to try. Was it like pumpkin pie? It was like pumpkin pie, filled with pumpkin spice. That was delicious. Another nice hot weather drink. <laughs> that actually would be refreshing. It was kind of like a like an apple juice or an apple cider. I, I actually think that'd be good on a hot day. That would be very good. So now you got to go into Hogwarts. Did you actually get to ride? We did not get to ride the main attraction, uh, Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey. We were able to go through the entire queue sequence up until the ride. So we wound our way through the castle and through the queue. You saw portraits hanging on the wall, the portraits where their faces would move. They would talk to you. They had the four founding fathers of Hogwarts Castle that were there all talking. These actually have never been seen before in the films. So they actually had to cast people, um, and they worked with J.K. Rowling to get people to fill these roles. They also had, throughout... Hogsmeade Village, you would see portraits. Uh, you would see portraits of Sirius Black, who was played by Gary Oldman, mm-hmm. and he was moving and interacting with you. Was it Gary Oldman? It was Gary Oldman. You would see the uh, portrait of Gilbert or Gottfried. Uh, Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> Lockhart. God. So you want to be a wizard? <laughs> Lockhart. I'm sure everyone's going to correct me on that one, but that was played by Kenneth Branagh. And they, they actually had Kenneth Branagh that was that was wow. filming those sequence. So the the level of detail was just amazing. These portraits that would move and interact 
in Hogwarts Castle looked like they were oil paintings mm. that were moving. You wind your way through Hogwarts Castle. You get into a room. Uh, it's the Defense Against the Dark, Art, Dark Arts classroom. And you see standing up on top is Harry Potter, Hermione, and Ron Weasley. And they're all talking with you and interacting with you and telling you about what you're going to experience, telling you about the class and how you're going to go off and join this Quidditch tournament instead of setting, sitting in on this, this Defense Against the Dark Arts class. Before that was Dumbledore's office, where you actually had Dumbledore, again, an image on a screen. This image, I don't know how they did it or what kind of screen and resolution they had. It was so realistic and authentic. I thought the hands, I thought it was actually a person up there. That was right. This is this see. this is this uh, holographic technology they were using in, in disaster. In disaster, yeah, that was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. It is. It's tremendous technology. So we didn't get to ride the ride. We got to wander through the queue again. Incredibly well themed. Incredibly detailed. Talking to people there, they're estimating that wait times for this are going to be upwards of five hours. Wow. Okay. Well, then th- then they have apps. If, if that happens. If they get five-hour wait times for this, they have failed. Mm-hmm. They have failed on a huge level. They have failed if they think that people are going to go back it's your and whole say, day. It, it is. It's your entire day. And if they think people are going to go back and start talking about how wonderful the experience was when they waited five hours for an attraction that's going to last about two and a half minutes, I don't care. Like I said, short of Jesus himself, like leading them through Hogwarts. Well, the attraction it lasts a while. It will though, not. Right? It, there's no attraction around that's worth a five-hour wait. There just doesn't. It doesn't exist, especially considering that they're not going to allow express pass access. What they're saying is that they won't give you a, an actual time that the attraction itself will take. They are combining queue time with attraction time to say, okay, that's your entire experience. Uh-huh. They're saying you know, walking through Hogwarts and experiencing all this is part of the experience. That's part of the attraction. So they'll say, oh, it's like an hour attraction because you're winding your way through Hogwarts. I don't know. I don't know if I if I buy that. Yes, it was really cool seeing these portraits, seeing them all move, seeing them interact. If I'm standing there for over an hour, for two hours, and I'm seeing the same loop of film time and time again. <laughs> well, then your drive into Disney World is part of the attraction also. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Well, Soren's queue line is three hours. And I mean, I've heard people that will wait for that. Now, will they wait an extra two hours for Harry Potter? I don't know. They might. See, I, see now, I, I don't know. I love Soren. I would not wait three hours to oh, ride. Oh, I wouldn't either. But There's nothing in here. a theme park I would stand in line nothing. three hours to ride. Nothing. Nothing. Not even Spider-Man when that first opened and everybody, myself included, considered that the best theme park attraction ever made. That had to be a uh, buffet midway. <laughs> well, it's, it's a just... a lounger. <laughs> you know, it's... it's uh, you know, it remains to be seen. It's still too early to tell. It's all speculation wh- whether or not it will materialize. There's also some discussion about the fact that this is. Um, but if we're, I'm sorry, if word gets out that there are five hour waits for an attraction, it will decimate their gate attendance. The number of people who will go out of their way to go see it. Oh, I got to wait five hours. Never mind. I'll wait. I'll come back next year. It will decimate their gate attendance. There's also um, speculation that this is not going to be a very accommodating ride. That if you're not of the average body size and that's height and weight, 
then you probably won't be able to ride. I saw the ride vehicle. So they had the ride vehicle sitting out front in front of the castle, and you could test it and get in it. I would say the size of the ride vehicle is probably equivalent to uh, the Hulk or Dueling Dragons. It's, it's a narrow seat. They have a piece that comes down then over your head. You really had to look at this to know what you were looking at. It's not a full shade like they have for some of all thrills, but it looks like it's kind of a mass that's going to cover your eyes, and there's speakers in that as well. It's narrow. It's but I also understand there's a height restriction. Right, and I think that's for the mass that, that, that's going to come down over your head. And we're not talking about you have to be tall enough to ride this ride. There's going to be a height limitation. You could be too tall. You could be too tall to ride. I do, n- I do not think that you and John could fit in the ride vehicle. I what about me? That's not a problem. I'm not waiting five minutes to ride it. But <laughs> What about me? Yeah, I think you could. Yeah? I think you could. Hmm. I want to go and just cut in the last minute. People in five hours. I just want to go right to the front of the line. I'm sorry. If you're waiting five hours for a ride, you're the people who get in line for the new Star Wars movie a year in advance. Yeah, exactly. Let me just say one other thing about um, Wizarding World of Harry Potter. And, and certainly there's other attractions. I was able to ride Dragon Challenge and Flight of the Hippogriff, and, and they were fine. Uh, the park itself is beautiful. When you're in the queue for Flight of the Hippogriff and you look over at Hogwarts Castle, it is exactly like their renderings. It is amazing how faithful they have been to that. The other thing you notice, when I came out of Hogwarts Castle, and I was there, it was about 9 o'clock at night for a private party. The place was packed. It felt crowded. I'm like, it feels crowded now for a private party. Mm-hmm. What's it going to be like when theme park crowds what are What do you there? estimate? Or how many do you think were in the party? Five, ten thousand. It was a big party. That's a big. Yeah, party. that's a big party. That's a big party. <laughs> but not everybody was in Harry Potter. We had Islands of Adventure and Universal Studios. We had two theme parks. Sure, a lot of those people were going to Harry Potter, but not all of them were in there. So it's not like we had, yeah, you had nine thousand nine hundred ninety-eight <laughs> exactly. Harry Potter, and the, you know, one in Islands, one in Universal. <laughs> we had the one guy that was riding Simpsons. Where is everybody? <laughs> exactly. Have they made any decisions yet? I know you said the way you walked in and the train was there, and that's the one that's over, like by Sinbad. Correct. Okay. When we were there and we did our tour, they were saying, you know, there's the back entrance. Mm-hmm. Have they decided how they're going to get people in? Are they going to let people come in both ways? As far as I know, based on talking to the people there, that you will be able to go in either direction. Okay. From Jurassic Park. It's my understanding it's far less grand coming in from the other direction. But it just seemed, you know, like for the crowds that they were expecting, like, were they going to make one, like, the exit and one the entrance? Not not that I understand. No, I don't think so. Did they save any of the queue from Dueling Dragons, or is it a completely different queue? I only rode Dueling Dragons once, so... I'm not as familiar with that queue before they rethemed it. It seemed pretty Harry Potter specific. There were a lot of Harry Potter elements in there. I didn't see anything that was not Harry Potter element. Nail the shops. You said you went in Honeydukes. Did you have a chance to go into Ollivander's, the wand shop? I went into Ollivander's, the wand shop, on the media tour. Uh, they did not have the performance going okay then. i was interested about they it. did have it going the uh the night of the private party i decided not to go in actually because i want to come back uh with my family and i wanted to save some of the okay. experience for that i will say when i went in on the media tour 
there were 30 of us on the tour. We couldn't all fit in that building at the same time into all of Anders. So what are they going to do when this opens? And also, all the shops, all the buildings, I mean, it's, you know, shut the door and look at the owls up behind the door. I mean, they're small spaces. There is going to be a line, you know, of people waiting to go into Ollivander's. And that's an experience. It's They're describing it as a show. So you go... You go in there. There's going to be this show. The wand selects you. That's going to take time. People are going to be lining up for this. Wow, yeah. People are going to be lining up to get into the shops, even for yeah, the private. They're going to line up to shop. Even for the party, people were lining up for to shop. How about the restaurant? Did you see the menu? I did see the menu. I was really hoping they would have food out to try, and they didn't. The menu. Uh, they're doing a lot of UK fare. A lot of. Um, Irish dishes, um, English dishes. There was shepherd's pie. Oh, because all that stuff is so good. <laughs> oh, I love shepherd's pie. <laughs> I love shepherd's pie, too. Uh, they're doing a family Made feast. Made of volcanic shepherds. <laughs> family feast for $50, which seemed similar to the Hoop-de-Doo Cafe, uh, Hoop-de-Doo Review menu, except uh, with roasted chicken instead of fried chicken. Um, and that was served family style. Uh, the kids' menu seemed pretty standard kids' fare. Chicken fingers, mac and cheese, things like that. They do have beer. They will be serving beer in um, the Hogshead Tavern. It's a hog's mead. I think it's a Hogshead brew, and I tried that. That was seemed fine. But it's only beer, then? It's not a full liquor selection in the bar? It's only beer. Only beer. So what do you think overall, Dave? I mean, you you got a chance to walk around it with, with virtually no one there, and you got a chance to walk around it with several thousand people there. Uh, you know, from a theme park visitor's perspective, uh, is this going to live up to the last three years of hype? A qualified yes. It's gorgeous. The theming and detail are amazing. The Harry Potter fans are going to be very satisfied. Right. That'll this. keep them going through August. Exactly. Um, and that's the qualified yes. From the theme park experience, you have two rides that are rethemed roller coasters. You know, we've ridden Dueling Dragons. We've ridden Flight of the Unicorn. That's now Flight of the Hippogriff. They're cute ride. I mean, Dueling Dragons is a great ride. Always. Now, Dragon Challenge is a great ride. Flight of the Hippogriff, it's a cute roller coaster. Um I don't know what the uh, Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey ride is going to be like. You know, they say it's going to be a game changer, is how they're describing it. But I'm looking at yeah, if, crowds. If, if, if it sure as hell is going to be a game changer if people are waiting five hours to ride it. I'm, I'm looking but at. The, I don't think it'll be the kind of game changer they're hoping for. Yeah, I'm looking at the crowds that are going to be in there. And I think that's going to negatively impact the experience. And yep. I think it may negatively impact the experience. So you walk away saying, no, it didn't live up to the hype. See, and this time they're not, you know, they've opened two theme parks. They've opened new attractions. They've got 20-plus years of experience doing this. There's no excuse. If, if, they, if they screw this up, if they screw this up, there is no excuse. There's no giving them a break. There's no, you know, no nothing. Um, the th- you know the theming can be wonderful, but if the overall experience is marred by the fact that you don't know how to do basic crowd control, uh, th- then what you're going to end up with, especially in the age of the internet, the internet was not as pervasive the last time they opened something major, which was uh, Islands of Adventure. 
The Internet was there, but it wasn't quite as pervasive as it is today. Uh, word will spread around the globe like wildfire if this experience is nothing but waiting on lines. Can you compare this in size to something Disney? I was thinking about that because I was thinking that's a that was a question I was going to get. I think it's similar to Fantasyland. I was going to say, given what where it's built, oh god, what was imagine twenty thousand people in Fantasyland. Right. It's as bad as biggest. And do you know what we say about Fantasyland? It is the artery clog of the Magic Kingdom, right? And I think Fantasyland now with the construction walls they have up, that's kind of. Similar to the size of the walkways in Wizarding World. You know, one thing I think about now, because now that we're in the parks with a stroller, mm-hmm. a double stroller. It's going to be tough. <laughs> that, I mean, it, strollers and stroller parking, it's crazy in Fantasyland. I can't imagine what it's going to be like. Well, I'm going to keep an open mind. I mean, Absolutely. Uh, we're, uh, 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 Walter and I are going to be there on the 28th for the, uh, with the package for the first oh, bless group you. of people going in. Um, and uh, we are doing our Universal show this month. The last Monday of the month will be nothing but Harry Potter. Uh, we're actually going to record it from over at the Portofino Bay where we're staying. So uh, we are going to have a full review of our thoughts of this, including Breakfast at the Three Broomsticks and uh, the whole experience uh, coming up the last Monday of the month. I don't know what date that is off the top of my head. I think it's the 31st. Um, so uh, be sure to tune in for that. Thank you very much. Oh. Can I give you a take-home message? Sure. My take-home message was I loved it. I was so glad I saw it, so glad I saw the details. I was so glad I saw it without people there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think you might be the last person to be able to say that. Well, thanks again, Dave, for that. Um, I'm very excited to see what Harry Potter is going to look like. And that will do it for our show this week, folks. We hope you enjoyed it. Next week, I'll have my review of the All-Star Music Resort. Kathy Whirling is going to tell us about Star Wars Weekends, and Kevin Close will have his dining review of the Bull and Bear at the Waldorf Astoria at Bonnet Creek. All that coming up on next week's show. So until then, everyone, have a great week. And remember, stay out of the damn lakes, especially if you're in Kissimmee. Alligators. Fighting triathletes. <laughs> <laughs>